0: Stand with hearts fully abandoned. Wow. I hope that's your prayer. Give us a handful of Christians, of Christ followers, who are willing to say, whatever it takes, here I am, use me. Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome? He is worthy of it all. Good morning. It is great to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be headed today. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, let me ask you a question as we get started. This is the last um, message in the, the Foundations of Marriage series that we've been doing. So let me ask you this question. Is there such a thing as a soul mate? That one person... That one person that just, oh, takes care of it all. I mean, they are, they are it. They are McDonald's fries, fully extra large. I mean, they are, they are it. It's just, they are your soulmate. You are meant to be with them. Now, if you've ever seen TV, then you've probably seen one of those commercials about soulmates, right? Those dating services so that you can find your soulmate. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, have you seen? Or if you've just even listened to the radio, if you even listen to the radio, they advertise all the time these dating services so that you can find your soulmate, so that you can find that perfect one in which you were 100% compatible. Wow. That's just an exciting moment, isn't it? And then you find that person and you begin to date them and you begin to... To, oh, this is just exciting. You find all the commonalities and you're just excited. And then at the point you say, okay, it's time now to get engaged and here we go. Life is good. And then you get married. And wow, on the honeymoon, you begin to realize that you're very different. She wants to stay up late. You want to go to bed early. You want to plan out everything. But he wants no plan whatsoever. And all of a sudden the frictions of differences began to pile on and you begin to realize that you are very different people. I mean, it would be okay if, if they were if your spouse was like you, everything would work out all right, right? But here's the problem, they're not like you. So then you began to, to go a few weeks into marriage and then you began to realize that marriage is hard. It's tough. And then you begin to look around and you go, wait a minute, Are we really in love? It's been several years now and marriage is so hard and you're going, if we were really in love, it shouldn't be this hard. And you began to ask the questions, what if? What if I missed my soulmate and I didn't marry them? What if this is not the right one? And so then you begin to realize, wait a minute, this is so hard. I didn't marry the right one. So because I didn't marry the right one, it's hard. And now you begin to look around and what you begin to find is that, oh, your soulmate must be running around somewhere else. And so now you two have to find each other because you missed each other the first go around. It's tough, isn't it? Or maybe, maybe you saw the flaws in your, your, your spouse before you got married. Maybe you saw them, but you just expected to change them. Hello. Did I get anybody on that one? The first service, there were several of them that, yeah. So I don't know what happened in the first service, but we found out several of them had that expectation. So they got married and they said, I'm just going to change them. I see what's going to happen. But here's the reality. The reality is this. We are very different people. You have different likes. You have different dislikes. So how do we actually come together to become one? Over the last few weeks, as we've talked about marriage, here's what we have done. We laid the foundations and we said, if we're going to have a marriage that brings honor and glory to God, what we need is this. First of all, we need to understand that it takes three to have a marriage that honors God. It takes a husband going after God. It takes a wife going after God. And it takes God right in the middle the Holy Spirit working in both lives so that you can have a God, God honoring marriage, a marriage that works according to the designer of marriage. And then we moved to the second foundation and the second foundation, we began to understand that if we're going to have a marriage that brings honor to God, then we have to be all in, be all in in such a way that we understand that our spouse should be our friend, our best friend. And we began to lay the friendship marriage part in the side of which we began to run to each other and we enjoy being around each other. Then we moved from the friendship marriage into the third foundation, in which the third foundation laid for us how to accurately and appropriately love our spouse. You see, in Ephesians 5, Paul begins to lay out, here's how the husband is to love his wife, and here's how the wife is to love her husband. And if you missed any of those, they should be online, and you should be able to go back and listen to those, so that way I don't have to re-preach them all today and then we can get out at a decent time, all right? So Ephesians 5, here's what we're gonna lay out today, and here's what we're gonna work through. We're gonna enjoy the differences. The fourth foundation is how do we enjoy the differences of our spouse? Because like it or not, your spouse is very different than you. Matter of fact, it's probably what attracted to you Them to you in the first place. They liked how that you were outgoing and they were shy and reserved. They liked those things, but how do we bring those things together so that we have two separate people becoming one? Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about it. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? Ephesians chapter 5, go all the way down to verse 31. The reason we stand for the reading of God's word is because of this. We want to heighten our awareness that we are hearing from the words of God, that these are not just human words. We came today, yes, we gathered as believers to sing praise to our God for what he's done in our lives and to celebrate who he is and what he's done. We've done that, and now the point in time in which we stand to look into God's word is this. It's an invitation. God, we are here to hear from you. And God, we're asking that you speak into our lives now. This is his words, not mine. It's his. You ready? Therefore, verse 31, Ephesians 5, 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to come and gather as believers to worship and to celebrate your precious name. Jesus, we thank you for your death, for your resurrection, for the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that you have given to us now, God, we're asking that your Holy Spirit would move and work, that you would have freedom in this place and in this moment, in this hour, that God, here and now, we ask that you would open our ears so that we would hear from you. God, you know what we need to hear, and I pray that your Spirit would move and work. And then, God, I'm asking for courage. Give us the courage to apply to our lives what we need to hear today. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you. you, may be seated. All right, so we start off, and, and Paul says for us, he, he quotes, actually, out of a Genesis chapter two. He quotes, and he goes all the way back to Genesis chapter two, and verse 24, and here's what he says. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, if you have the King James Version, in Genesis chapter two, and verse 24, it says it like this. It says that a, a man should leave his his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife. Now, I like the old poetic nature of the King James, so I'm going to use the two words, leave and cleave. Now, cleave simply means join together. Leave, we, we get that idea. Here's what we're talking about. In order for two different people to be able to come together and be one, what we have to, first of all, do is leave. Now, here's what happens. You have two different people, different opinions, different values, different just different thoughts completely. Two different ways of life. They come together and they are to leave their past. To leave their past heritage. To leave their, their mom, their dad, their history. Now, here's why this is so hard. Because you have two different people and they have two different backgrounds. Two expectations of how marriage is supposed to work. You bring one who's, who's a little bit country. And you bring one who's a little bit rock and roll. And you bring them together. You've heard that before, right? Okay, I, this. You bring them both together and they're, they're very different. One now lives in the country, one lives in the city, and now we're going, where are we supposed to live? One needs land, one says no, I wanna be around lots of people. And then you have one who comes in with a very different background as far as even religion. In this church, in our leadership, in the deacons, the ones that, who are just serving you, we have so many different denominations represented even in our deacons and in our leadership and those who are in our, our elder board who have come from so many different backgrounds. And here's what happens. You take two different people who have two different opinions. One's Methodist, one's Baptist, one's Catholic, one's, one's Episcopalian, one's Lutheran. It doesn't matter, Church of Christ, whatever it is. And you bring them together and both of them have different ways of saying, well, where are you going to go to church? Well, I don't know. Yeah, obviously, I thought we'd go to my church. No, wait, I thought you were going to my church. Well, I don't know if I, I don't know. I've never really been to church. Well, great, then you can come to my church. Well, And now you start having this dynamic in which, which way is right? Two different ways of family. Typically, in a marriage, you're going to have one set of family who, man, they, when they have a party or when they have a birthday or a celebration, you invite the, not only the immediate family, but you have to start inviting the aunts, the uncles, that crazy uncle that you can't stand, but you have to invite them anyway. You start inviting the entire family and it begins to extend to first and second and third. And you even know fourth cousins, but they're cousins, they're family, and you invite everybody. And the other spouse says, man, if I talked to my mom for the last six months, I did well. <laughs> and now you're bringing all this together and now you're going, well, how are we supposed to deal with these differences? Even in the work, in the home, maybe the dad did all the cooking. Or maybe the mom, she's the one who did all the laundry and now you come into the marriage and now who's gonna do what as far as the jobs? Well, this is how it's supposed to work. The man takes out the trash. The wife doesn't take out the trash. Well, I took my plate. This has been a great one for me. I take my plate from the dinner table to the sink. I rinse it out and I place it in the sink. I think I did a great job as a husband. I mean, I think I'm like, man, I'm good. She should be proud of me. And you know what she's thinking that no good lazy bum. He can't take this plate and put it in the dishwasher, which is right next to it. It's ready to go. Right? Have you been there? There's differences. And so you say, wait a minute, this is how it's supposed to happen. No, this is how it's supposed to happen. And you're, you're bringing it all in from, from what you've seen. This is how mom and dad related. Now you're bringing it all in. And now you're going, what are we supposed to do? And here's what the Bible says, ready? Leave. You leave your parents and you begin to form a new family in which now you're not having to run to mom or dad you're now staying together and you're saying, this is how it's gonna work. You create a new family. This is where it gets tough, you ready for this? If you are a parent and your child is 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, they're just now getting into the marriage years, you have been the parent for the last 25 years and you have been the priority in their life. But then they get married and now you still want to be the priority in their life. You still want them coming to you for everything. For money, for help, for marriage counseling, for everything else. And you still want to be there. And the Bible says leave. Uh Uh-oh. That's tough, isn't it? That's tough. To actually leave and the husband and the wife become the priority. The two, instead of running back to their old ways begin to form new traditions and new ways of doing things because they've left the old. And as parents, if you have your kids, that are at a point where they're getting married, it is your job to make sure you push them on out of the nest and let them create their own marriage. As newlyweds. Or maybe you've been married for 10 years and you've never left. Hello. This is helpful, buddy. I'm glad you're here today. If you've never left, leave. Get away. Start something new. This is what you're called to do. Then the Bible says to be joined with his, right? You see that? Joined. This is the word cleave. This is a fun one. That means you are joined together, that your spouse becomes the main priority. Now, here's where it's going to get fun. You ready? Ready? That you are to cleave, that means you run to your spouse for their opinion, not your parents' opinion. Here's what happens typically in a new marriage, and even it can still be happening 10 or 20 years down the road. The husband and wife are over here, they're having talks, they're having conversations, and, and they decide on something, and then, especially if they've been to Sunday school, And one of the spouses comes over here and says, I've got to get the biblical counsel of getting multitude of counselors. Have you ever used that one, the Sunday school thing? So they come over here to mom and dad and they ask mom and dad for all the wisdom and what to do. And what happens is this, mom and dad have a different opinion than what the couple decided on over here. And now because the mom and dad have spoke differently, then the spouse demands that we do something different. And they come back from mom and dad and what they have done is they trumped the spouse and their decision for what the parents have said. Hello? And what has been occurred is destruction of the two becoming one. You've lost unity. You are to leave and cleave. Now, let me speak about it another way. Let me give another way of how this gets destroyed. You've been married for a while. You've broken the, the, the bond between parents. And so that's great. And so now you've become your own couple. And this is great. And now you've been living for, let's say, four or five years, 10 years. And now you've been going and you're doing great. This, but then it kind of starts hitting this rocky patch. And so instead of coming to your spouse and talking and being best friends and interacting and cleaving and joining together, where you say, we are one, what you begin to do is now you go to work and now you start talking about what's going on at home. Oh, me. And now you start sharing and all the girlfriends at work know all the things about this husband and all the things he does wrong. Hello? And then all the guys at work know everything about your marriage and you've shared all the things bad about what's going on and how she's not taking care of you. And what you have done is you've now clinged together to your work. You've moved to your workmates, your friends, and you've destroyed the unity in your marriage. good stuff right there. Let me give you another example because I wanna make sure you hear this. It could even go to the point where you've enjoyed your spouse, it's been fun, you've been going for five years, 10 years. You've been going for a length of time. And now instead of, I mean, you have a good marriage, but instead of actually running home to them, you like to stay later at work or maybe you have now added new hobbies. In which you are now joining into those hobbies, and the hobbies have become a higher priority than actually running home to your spouse. And now, what you do is is instead of running to your spouse, you now run to your hobbies or to those things that you want, and you're clinging to that instead of clinging to your spouse. When you have time and a chance to spend time with your spouse, instead of spending time with them, you run to something else the clinging. It's detrimental. You see, you are going to have different likes. She's going to like different movies than you, sir. And they're not going to be blow them up, shoot them up movies. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be some kind of romance. It's going to be some kind of, it's going to be all those stuff. It's going to be hard. And and, and ladies, he's going to like some kind of action. He might want to go out and, and he might want to blow something up. So you're gonna to have to work together, you're different. Okay, now two becoming one, you ready? How do we play this out even more? Because it says two, two different people become one. We haven't even started talking about different personalities, different things that we like. Because I guarantee you, probably in your marriage, there's gonna be someone who likes to stay up late and someone who likes to go to wake up early. In my marriage, here's what happens. 10 o'clock comes, my wife comes alive. I mean, it's like a jolt just went through her 10 o'clock. She's ready. I mean, she can think she brainstorms, She's ready to create new projects. And at 10 o'clock I'm going, (laughs) I'm crashing, man. So what what began to happen in our marriages is she would want to talk at 10 o'clock. And so what would happen? We would go to bed and she would start talking. Bed's not for talking. Bed's for sleeping. So I hit the pillow and usually when I hit the pillow, I am, I'm out snoring, slobbering everything within five minutes. That's my typical, I'm just boom, I hit the pillow, I'm out. Don't even think about anything else. So here we go, she, we get to bed and she starts talking and I'm uh, 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 trying to talk with her. So I would set up in bed, I would set up. Okay, here we go, I'm listening, I'm listening. My head was falling off, I was laying over, I mean, and we were having terrible conversations. So I decided I would ask her, would you, get, would you have conversations with me at five o'clock in the morning? That is my prime time. Man, five o'clock, come on, let's go. Man, we can conquer the world at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, that is, that's, <laughs> that's awesome time. There's no way. If I wake up my wife in the morning, <laughs> gotta be careful. You just gotta give some space, you know what I'm talking about? She's got to give some space so that way she can actually wake up. And I cannot, because when, when she wakes up, I've already been up. I've already been thinking. My mind is going. I'm ready to lay out lists. This is what we can do today. This is what needs to happen. I mean, I will plan out. I have 50 million things I want to do because I've already thought about them, prayed about them. Yes, we're doing it. And I spiritualize it just like that. And she's going, whoa. Not talking. Not what? Differences. You know there's differences. And here's the problem. Here's what we have to do. We have to get to a point where the two become one. And the question is, how do we get there? Are you there yet? You ready for me to actually quit telling stories and get to the point? I'm glad. Ephesians 5. Let me show you now what Paul does. Paul is going to do something amazing. Verse 32 He says, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He says, this is something profound. This is a mystery that will boggle your mind, that will blow your mind, that's gonna totally destroy everything that you have thought of beforehand. It's going to actually go counter-cultural. It's going to destroy what the culture tells you you should be doing. It's going to mess up the whole worldview that you think that you're supposed to be doing. This is going to destroy. And he goes all the way back and he says, this is why it's so profound. Have you ever asked the question, before I answer, have you ever asked the question, why is there such an attack on marriage? Why is there such a big deal about marriage? Why is that even a big deal? Why is there a fight even in our society? Why is that a big issue? Have you ever asked that question? Why why should we take a stand on what marriage is? What does it look like? Why is that even important? Who cares what people say? Here's why. Because Paul takes, and he goes, this is why it's a mystery. It's been hidden for so long. It's been hidden and nobody's really put it together. And he says, this is what it was talked about all the way back in Genesis. God has initiated, God established marriage and here's what he shows. He says it comes all the way into the New Testament and here's why marriage is so important. You ready? Because it reflects the gospel. The way in which a husband relates to his wife, the way the wife relates to her husband, it reflects the gospel. The Gospel to an unbelieving world. Let me demonstrate so we can catch it and understand what's going on here. It's so profound and so amazing. Jesus loved the Church. How did He love us? Let me help you. If you've never been around church, here's how Jesus loved you. When you were sinner, when you were broken? with all your flaws, with all your warts, with everything that's wrong, even with your rebellion, even in the midst of you being angry at God, even in the midst of you being God's enemy, even when you're flipping God off and saying, I don't need you in my life. God, get out of my life, get away from me. I don't even believe you. I don't even know that you're here. In the midst of you with your utter hatred and disdain for God, are you ready? When you chose to live life your own way, God says, while you are yet my enemy, I will send my son, Jesus, to go to this earth to live perfect, to be the one in which he goes to the cross to die for you, to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin debt. I had offended a holy and righteous God with my sin. And God says, I will make a way in which I can offer you mercy. So you do not have to pay for it. I will give you grace and I will give you forgiveness where you don't have to take that punishment. And Jesus dies on the cross for you. He takes your sin, your flaws, your brokenness, and he covers it with his grace and his mercy on the cross. And then in the midst of your brokenness, he gives you forgiveness And he redeems your brokenness. That's amazing. And this Jesus says, here it is. I'm now restoring you. I'm now bringing you into relationship with me. Now, because I've been forgiven, I can go before the throne of God. And I can interact with God himself because of what Jesus has done. Because of Jesus, I have eternal life. Now watch. When I look at my spouse, when I look at my wife and I see her flaws and I see her brokenness and I see her filth, even when she does not deserve my grace or my forgiveness, because I have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, then it gives me the power to forgive her and to cover her brokenness and to come alongside of her and restore her. And here's what happens if we had more Christ followers who would begin to allow the gospel to radically shape their own lives and radically shape their marriage, and it became a picture to an unbelieving world of how you actually do life together, it would radically shake this society because this world needs to understand that I can be after 13, 14 years, I can still be in love with my wife and I can't wait to get home with her. I can't wait to take vacations with her. I can't wait to just share what's going on. It's an amazing thing that God has done in our life. And it's not because I'm so good. It's because God has done such a work through the gospel in my life and in her life. See, it works so well that when my kids invite their friends, to come eat with us or to come to our house. The kids ask questions such as this, why do you like your sister so much? I've never seen a brother interact with a sister like that. I've not ever seen a mom interact with kids like that. I've never seen a dad interact with his wife like that before. And the kids are asking questions saying, what is so different? I've never seen that before it's not me. It's the gospel being played out in my life. It's the gospel being played out in our marriage. It's the gospel being played out in our home. It's the gospel being played out in my kid's life. When the teachers come to school and we come in and they say, what's wrong and what's different with your kid? Because your kid, wow, what did you do? It's not us. It's the gospel being played out. Here's what would happen if, you and I would so allow the gospels to start working in our lives, it would become an unbelievable witness that draws people in because it's irresistible. When the grace of God has been so working in somebody's life, I want this for you. I want you to have a marriage in which the gospel is played out over and over and over again. We've heard the stats that marriages are at a 50% plus divorce rate. Haven't you heard that? And you kind of sit there and you go, wow, that's bad. And then we've heard even the stats of how they brought it over into the church. And they said, even the church in the church, it's 50, it's over 50%. It's almost identical. And the the skeptics began to argue and say, you know, that's, you know, obviously the church doesn't really make a difference. But here's, here's the problem with the stat and here's what happened with it. If you claim to go to church and you claim to be a Christian, you can go to church on Christmas and Easter and be a Christian. Quote, according to the survey. But here's what they found. They went a step further and they started researching. It dropped to 25% divorce rate for those who attended church three times a week. Watch. For those who were active and involved in serving and actually serving in their church, they're involved in small groups, it dropped below 5%. Does the gospel make a difference? over and over and over again. Church, it even talked about happiness in this, in this study by a university. It even talked about the happiness in a marriage after five years, 10 years, and they went to 20 and 25, 30, 40, and 50 years. Those who were active in church, following God, being involved in a smaller group, being involved in which they were studying the Bible and honestly serving, they had the happiest marriages and people couldn't understand Why? And I'll tell you why. It's the gospel being played out. Over and over and over again. So here's where we need to go. There's a good chance in this room today there's someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You don't know him, and, and you've never trusted. I'm not talking about being baptized. Listen, I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm not even talking about going to church. What I'm talking about is it has there been a moment in which you stopped and said Jesus I'm a sinner please forgive me Jesus I believe you died on the cross you rose again and Jesus I'm asking you to be the leader the savior of my life Some of you in this place in this moment need to do that Unashamedly Jesus went to the cross for you This is your moment He's moving and working in your life. And this is your moment. This is why your marriage is moving so late because the gospel is not playing out in your life. So salvation is your step. For some of you, here's what it is. Here's where you need to go. You've been saved, but salvation was something you did at vacation Bible school or you did something in the past and it's not being played out regularly. So here's where we need to go. For the rest of us, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, here's the prayer. God, help my marriage reflect the gospel help me to reflect the gospel to my wife and my my husband in the way in which I forgive and I restore and I bring them back up and I see the forgiveness working through and I love the differences and enjoy the differences instead of getting mad and frustrated at those differences we need the gospel played out so here's what we're going to do the band's going to come out and they're going to begin to play i'm going to ask every head bowed every eye closed father we're asking that you would do something right now in this moment would you work In Jesus' name.